0: Great is your mercy towards me Your loving kindness towards me Your tender mercy I see Day after day, day after day Forever faithful towards me, always providing for me, great is your mercy towards me, great is your grace. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to today's episode of Musings with Jesus. My name is Shola, and your host, thank you for joining me. And, um, yeah, hello everyone. We're officially in the countdown to Christmas. Um, it's been a very, very, um, how would I say, it's been very, it's been a really hectic, busy year for me and all that, you know as i was about to record this message i mean this episode i just that song just rose up in me and you know sometimes i don't know how to say this but sometimes i feel like a fraud because i think when people see me they see this very capable person you know i I think they see someone who she knows what she's you know she wants to do in life she's very focused and all that i don't know how I could let them realize that I am the exact opposite of all all of that. In fact, I think the one aspect of my life that probably reveals who I would have been, if not for God, is the fact that I don't drive. And how shocked people are when I tell them that I don't drive. Because I think that is the one area where, you know, that, that really reveals who I am and I would what it means is that so for whatever reason I started learning how to drive uh, you know at at the age that most people would certain things happened I got discouraged by people around me making me feel like you know and then I I I, I, I never did was able to drive eventually I think I've talked about this in other episode but it's probably not like that anybody listening now will have listened to that so I ended up never ever really really learning how to drive and you know what that means when, and i've moved around quite a lot you know what i mean i've lived in different parts of nigeria i've lived in different parts of the world in all those places i did not drive and it wasn't easy you know what i mean there's some, it just wasn't easy so you live your life you know whether school runs for kids whatever it is you do all of that without ever being able to get behind the steering wheel yourself it means you have to be dependent on a whole lot of people, and it just affects the quality of your life. And I think anyone who drives understands the difference that being able to drive makes in your life in this modern world in which we live. Regardless of whether you own a car or not, you know it's not about whether you own a car; it's about whether you're able to drive one. If there is a car in to drive, or you, you know, you need to drive one. So I think that's the one aspect of my life that makes you know that I am not i think that is the true reflection of yeah how i could have been limited if not for god in my life and um, that is the one area that i would say that yeah maybe I, i mean you could say i haven't allowed god to really manifest himself but yeah let's just say that yes i haven't because And I think it's it's even, because I really feel bad about that, so I think it's even painful talking about it because so whatever it is that would make someone like me be afraid and unable to drive, despite the fact that I own cars, I have cars that I, you know what I mean, as in I have bought cars that I cannot drive, that someone else will drive for me. And I've gone through life that way. And um, and somehow surrounded by people who, now that I think about it, who continue to reinforce that, yeah, no, you, you can't do this, so don't even bother. So, and the fact that I even allow myself to be, you know, Yeah. And I hope I don't pass it on to my children as well. Anyways, so... What I just wanted to say is that, and I think that's probably why that song came out to me, is that I think for a lot of people, being a Christian or following God is about so many things. These days I hear such a transactional approach to Christianity. I hear people saying things like, You know, I just I don't know, I just anyway for me and maybe 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 my relationship with God is transactional too, but it's not trans it's 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 not transactional about money. It's transactional but I won't even say it's transactional, it's just that I just need him. I I really can't do without him. You know? It's not so much about I want something from him. I just need him. You know? I consider him, he's not even a part of my life, he's my life, because I can't live without him. Yeah, I think that's just it. And I don't think it was always like this for me. Um, I think for a greater part of my life, I felt my life was different, and God was different, and God was a part of my life, even though I wouldn't say it that way, but... I think that was how it was looking back now, but now, God is my life, because literally, and I don't like talking about some of these things, because I don't think anybody is comfortable being vulnerable, but I went through a very tough time emotionally in the last three years, and and I've had, you know, I've had challenges on and off, I think, for the last... 20 years or so but there were nothing like what I went through in the last three years emotionally in the over 20 years I mean you know childbearing years I've had all kinds of issues medical you know God has always delivered me has always been a part of my life but and then of course there were other issues as well which were on and off ongoing things that I felt really sad about very regretted. you know there were always those oh my goodness I wish how did I get myself into this situation all of that was always going on but they were never overwhelming. You know what I mean? It's, you can have problems that are problems, but they are not overwhelming. The last three years I had problems that to even call it overwhelming is not even it's an understatement. It's, I can't even say overwhelming. They were just they were threatening to sink me. In fact, it almost sank me. In fact, I sank. It's just like God did not allow me to be buried. I was overwhelmed. I was I, 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 I didn't know what to do. And there was nobody who could help me. There was just nobody. And I think what God now that I think about it I think what God did for me or what God allowed me it was to see the world as it really is. And it was a horrible picture. And I've come to realize that the reason, be- the difference between... The people who... Develop a hatred for the things of the world. And are very keen to separate themselves from the things of the world. As- either as Christians or non-Christians. Are the people who... Life... Or, or whether life or God enables them to see the world as it really is this place is not a good place it's not a good place and it's, it's sad because we as Christians particularly Pentecostal Christians when you go to church they behave as though this earth is heaven because people spend a lot of time praying for things in this world as though we are in a good place this world is as close to hell as you can possibly be without actually being in hell I mean if you look at it when God creates the new heaven and the new earth that is foretold in the book of Revelation, there are, there are a number of things that he uses to categorize the new heaven and the new earth and what he says is, says death will not be there he says pain will not be there he says sorrow will not be there he says sickness will not be there he didn't even talk about sin because that one is. He probably mentioned sin, but that is not even the thing that God is even counting as a big deal. I'm not saying that He doesn't say. What I mean is that the most. the celebration is that death is destroyed. The celebration is that sorrow is destroyed. The celebration is that pain. Those are the things that. those are the ways in which the, 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 the book of Revelation describes the new heaven and earth and all those things that he mentioned we live with it here the fear of death is controlling everybody's actions here everything we do pain is a literal part of life if it's not physical pain, it's emotional pain If it's not your pain, it's the pain of somebody you love or the pain of somebody else that you are reading. Sorrow, oh my goodness. We are constantly drinking from cups of sorrow. And I realize that it's not everybody that feels the pain of others. I I know some of us, I think, it's tougher on some of us because we feel the pain of others as well, just like it's our own sometimes. I, I recognize that. But even for those who do not feel the pain of others, they feel the pain of family of loved ones and their own pain. So for, for so for me, over these past four years, God allowed me to see the world for what it was. I saw it. It was an ugly sight. It made me hate the world and everything that is in the world. And I'm not saying it made me hate everything that is in this life. No. Because the world is different from this life. In this life, we we have Christ, we have the word of God, we have the blood of Jesus. Thank God that Jesus Christ came, and thank God that I was born after Jesus Christ came, <laughs> died, resurrected, went to heaven, you know, all that paid the price. I'm I'm glad that I was born many years after the coming of the first coming of the Lord, and the Bible was here, everything has been given. I'm sorry, you know, very selfish of me, but yeah. Although it would have been nice to have been part of the early church, but clearly I'm not Jewish, so, yeah, that, couldn't, that wouldn't have happened. So I'm, I'm glad for the time that I'm born in. But, I, but I've become realized, I've become more aware that where are not only that the world is broken, it is depraved. It's a depraved world, it is sinful. The kind of things that politicians say and do, and they get away with, and it's okay for them to say, the kind of things that, you know, I mean... Today, I was reading a story of how, you know, on social media, of how um, there was an immigrant ship heading for Europe. And apparently, the European authorities, I don't know which of the coasts, gives information to Libyan gangs, you know, gives the locations to hostile people that they know will literally capture those um, asylum ships, I mean, those um, boats of migrants and either kill them, enslave them, or do whatever, but they know that they will definitely do whatever it will take to make sure that those people, they're going to use them like, I don't know what. And just because people from a continent, who, by the way, came to our continent many years ago, raped, stole, killed, murdered, plundered, and are still plundering our continent, they're now preventing us people who look like us or people from our lands from taking the same routes that they did centuries ago and the injustice continues I'm not saying that it's, it's okay for people to enter boats but it was not okay for them to come to Africa by the way it wasn't okay for them to come and enslave us to kill our leaders it was not okay for them to disrupt our lives as they have up till now And they have never, ever been held accountable for that. History has never, not for the slave trade, not for colonialism, never. Rather, they have ripped the gains of it and living a good life. And now turning back at the rest of us and saying, look at us, look at what we have built. You are inferior to us. As though that whole history never happened. Literally, it's like a man that came into your house, took everything you had, took your house, took your land, took your children, took everything. Came did that to everybody in the neighborhood became rich and then goes and comes back later and tells the rest of you you guys are just poor because you're lazy you don't know what to do he dispossessed you violently the only thing he had was an army he had guns and he keeps rubbing it in you that you know you're poor then of course you don't have anything to eat so you keep coming to his house you keep hanging around his house your children keep doing that Because yes, he has what you don't have and you need to survive. And guess what? He turns the dogs on you. But the point was that if he had left you with your God-given wealth, perhaps you would not be coming to his shores now. But what I'm trying to say is that this world upholds these injustices. When we were younger, we used to think that there would be a payday. And I realized that no hardly, hard, Justice is hardly ever done on this earth. Hardly. Most of the time, people will get away with evil. The only justice that we are all sure of is the justice after this life. That one, nobody can escape that one. And that's why Jesus, God says, we must all feel, face the judgment throne. And I used to wonder why God would make Christians also face the judgment throne of Christ. But I realized that we all need to face that judgment throne because everybody must give accounts so that it doesn't look selective and so that it, the judgment can be open. Because that's one thing that we don't have in this world. There is no open justice. It's separate rules, it's different strokes for different folks. You can clearly see that certain laws are created to, to, to keep certain people in where, in, you know, there there is no equity in this world. It's an unjust world. And uh, my greatest concern. Now, I think for Christians, is that we the recognition of the fact that we are living in an unjust world is not made very apparent to us. It's also not, we're also not, we just seem oblivious of the cosmic battle that is going on that is bigger than our needs and whatever it is we're going through or the legacy we're trying to build in our family and all that rubbish and all that crap. Because when you get before God, God is not going to be asking you, What's the legacy for your family? What name did you leave? He's t- going to talk about the legacy of Christ. What kind of legacy have you built for Christ? What did you do with what I gave you? The time that I gave to you? The talent that I gave to you? The resources that I gave to you? What did you do? How many souls did you impact for Christ? How did you live as a Christian? What did you do with the testimony and the gospel of Jesus Christ? Those are the questions he's going to be asking us. He's not really going to care about a lot of the things that we're doing. Recently, I started meditating and on, on the scripture, and one thing I like about this phase of life that I'm in is that, and also because I'm in Bible school, in seminary actually, I can't really believe I'm actually in seminary. So, the funny thing is, I'm in seminary, and people that are in seminary usually go to seminary because they're training to be pastors or something. But somehow, I be I don't in my mind I don't feel like I'm training to be a pastor, a minister, or anything like that. I just see myself as I'm in seminary because I needed to get closer to God. I was going through stuff. God is using seminary to heal me, so I don't really see myself. I don't really see myself as a minister in training, if you know what I mean. But I'm, I'm sure God probably has some thoughts of that. So it's funny, you know, for me, I'm I just like I'm going to seminary. So, but the good thing about being in seminary is that I, I spend a lot of time reading the Bible and all that, much more than you know usual. At least in recent times, and sometimes. You know, because the Bible is almost like I have so many verses in my subconscious, so sometimes God just bubbles up a verse and, you know, and recently, and what I like is that the Bible gives me answers for the questions of my heart, because I've been wondering that this obsession that we Pentecostal Christians have, particularly with, you know, with getting ahead in this world, we're, we're struggling for the same things that unbelievers struggle for. There's no difference between us. We're not, you know, I, we're not praying for souls. We're not praying for... It's just all so messed up. It's really messed up. And so recently, while I was thinking about that, because sometimes I think, am I overthinking this? Am I just being unnecessarily judgmental? And then this scripture came... Jesus, I mean, like the Lord brought up this scripture, which says, Love not the world, nor the things in the world. Anybody that loves... The things in the that loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So I just remember that I was like, yeah, no, fella, you're not wrong, you're not wrong, you're right. I mean, and I like the fact that Jesus explains all these things in the Bible because if not, I kid you not, many of people would have been would have been confused because some things you look at it and you're like, this is wrong, but then everybody is doing it, so you begin to question that. Okay, maybe it's just me, and you know that is it just me? Is a, a major thing because you think nobody wants to like be wrong you know or to be deluded or you know to get things all messed up we all want to know what's right and what's wrong and then you know at least be be able to make an informed choice so when i read that i was like yeah yeah okay yeah so yes sure you're right you're not wrong god says that if you have the love of the world that it's impossible to love the, what, the things in the world. In fact, I like how God bless the apostles, God bless the early church, and God bless Jesus for coming. For teaching, and for the apostles, and the early church, and the scribes, and all those around them, for recording. And for all the people who give their lives and their blood to make sure that the purity of the word of God remains. Because the wisdom in those words is amazing. He says, he was very clear, and I love it when... New Testament, that's why, honestly, I prefer the New Testament, because New Testament is quite clear, it's Old Testament that can get a little bit funny, in fact, the only chapter, the only book that is very Old Testament-y, is is Revelation, Revelation is very confusing, but there's some parts that are clear, Some a lot of Revelation is really quite confusing, but you know, when it gets to some places, it's very explicit, new heaven, new earth, you can tell what's going on, but the areas that are not clear, hmm, let's just leave that one for God, so, um... He says, love not the world. So, he first says, don't love this world. And why? Because it's a broken world and not just broken. You know, there's broken not bad and then there's broken evil. This one is broken evil. Broken evil, broken sinful, broken wicked, broken unjust, broken ungodly, broken unrighteous, broken deathly. You know, it's just an evil world. Evil. I mean, I'm staying somewhere, you know, um, in an apartment, you know, almost like working holiday, and it's in the city center. And um, every night, I kid you not, people, there are pubs in the area, you know. Every night, people, we, I hear drunken people walking through the streets, and they're shouting, and they're, and I'm like, what kind of life is this? Where else? How does this even make sense for these individuals? So, throughout the day, they're living a pseudo-normal life, I assume. And then they go out in the evening and they get so drunk. They're walking through the streets and they're shouting and they're fighting every single night. Monday evenings, Tuesday evenings, Wednesday, there's no difference in days. Every single night. Male voices, occasional female, young people, and then, yeah, it's the, the, the the shouting, the the, the behaviour starts from about two a.m. and because by that time it's really quiet, everyone can hear everything that's going on, and sometimes they go on and on and on. But literally every year, every day, every night, don't stop between two a.m. and four a.m. the drunks. The drunk young people. And you can tell these are not people who are drunk all the time. They've just gone out. And they've gotten smashed. And that's the lifestyle. How does that even make sense? But you look at it. There's something missing in their lives. You you know what I mean? It's the world that we live in. So people are abusing their own selves. They don't even do it. But sometimes I get worried. They say, no, but this i realize that nobody's calling the cops so everybody this seems to just be normal and then eventually of course they get themselves and and they do get themselves home every night because i i mean we don't wake up next morning and see the drunken people in the street in fact literally by now you know which is like 6 a.m it's all quiet they've all left so it's a lifestyle that's the way of the world and it's normal I'm sure they go home they probably have regular jobs so this is the world that we live in so it's not so that scripture says anybody that loves the world this world that you're looking at and you love the things. I like the th- I like it when he talks about the things in the world because sometimes that love the world can be a little bit confusing because John three sixteen says that for God so loved the world. So you're like, yeah, why are you telling me not to love the world when Jesus loved the world? But what? God loved was the people in the world, the souls in the world. That's what that world was talking about, which is why world can be confusing. Because when people say world, it's like, what are you talking about? World can be used like worldview. World can be used like the people in the world. World can be used like the earth, the trees and all of that. So which world are we talking about? That scripture then goes and tells us that. He says, in case you're not clear which world I'm talking about, whether it's the people in the world. I now talk about the things. He says, love not the world nor the things in the world now we all know what things are I mean I know what things are because I have a lot of things you know so things are cars, houses, lands, jewelry, clothes, shoes, parties, dresses, accessories, gold, silver what else? smartphones, um, Tesla cars you know I mean what are the things that everybody goes out for yeah Things in the world, the gadgets, TVs, yeah, planes, yeah, for the people, yeah, private jets, yachts, yeah. You shouldn't love all those things. Games, Uh, the internet, movies. What are the other things? Alcohol, yeah, drugs adult entertainment you know what I mean yeah yeah those are the things in the world Yeah. so it says once you love those things it's clear that the love of the father is not in you so what God is saying is that it's not possible for your heart to love the things in the world and to also have the love of God that those are two conflicting emotions and states of mind And what he's also saying is that there's a spiritual undertone and basis that determines what you love. That's why those young men and a few young women outside the apartment where I'm currently staying can actually find it pleasurable to walk through the streets of their city every other night so drunk that they can't even tell when they are coming or where they are going, getting into fights, brawling in the streets, dragging themselves home, and that's their life. So he says. So once you find yourself as a Christian, getting enthralled by the things of this world, and you find that a greater part of your yearnings Your prayer points, in quotes, the things that make you happy, the things that you're chasing after, are things in this world. There's a problem. I found it funny that anytime I'm talking to Christians and I say to them that I don't pray to have a lot of money, they get really angry with me. Why am I saying that? No, when you have money, you know what to do with it. And I'm like, I said, now I find it so odd. How did we get here? Because I've thought about it. I'm someone I know I know myself I have I like th- you know I like good things I honestly I really like good things I I like good things I know I like I like good things if I had my way and I know quality things you know you know what I mean as in when I go into a shop my eyes I can pick out the quality of things just by looking at them fabrics jewelry you know, I, I, you can't sell me something that is fake. The detailing, it's all those things speak to me. I can tell. I can literally tell. Even though I haven't worked in any of those kind of luxury things. But somehow, it's just the way I am. But somehow, I've also, God has also helped me. Maybe because I, I got to know him very early. So I have also held myself back from being, you know... So I don't go for cheap but I don't go for ex you know luxury either. So I stay somewhere in between where I use things that are good quality but not luxuriously so. I I don't do you know when I say it has to be reasonably good quality. So I you know I don't want I won't buy clothes that the fabric is going to it's going to be coming out in threads. I would always buy clothes that would stand the test of time you know they could be washed several times or and they'll be fine and they have very good secondhand value in fact that's that's the the key thing for me with everything i wear so i always give out my clothes after several years and you know people always like wear them for decades my clothes like really like will be here till jesus comes you know but then i don't buy designer clothes but then as good as they can come in between whatever so of course i've never bought thrift clothes and all that and all those things this yeah tried not to anyway so i've have yeah so that's really so so i've i've had to develop principles about how i spend money the kind of things that i buy you know limits for myself financially psychologically i do that so it's not just whether i can afford something i have principles around the things that i buy and what i cannot buy not because it's i cannot afford it but because it is at that point, I know that it has become ostentatious for me to even want that thing. But as I'm just talking, I'm realizing that this is actually what God has helped me do. And it's also helped me financially because, therefore, I I still have good things, but I am not, you know, it has not overtaken my life. And it's not easy because sometimes you really like some things out The world has a lot of really good things because God created these things but he didn't create them, he created it to beautify the earth and to beautify his people but he didn't create those things to have us but because we're in a depraved world that is sinful, that is broken if you don't walk that line very finely with God, those things will possess you it's just like food food was given for our benefit, but if you're not careful food will, you understand, food will become will control you as it does a lot of people same thing with you know so and and like someone said recently god did not create money so money is also something that has been created because of the broken world that we're in because god created a world where every man's need to be met it was the sin of adam or the sin of man that brought us into this situation whereby we are all chasing after money and that's really that was the curse of the garden it says in sweat will you till the ground from that time man started struggling to be able to meet his needs and then meet, after meeting his needs to become wealthy after becoming wealthy to be more wealthy than the next person after becoming more wealthy than the next person to be influential to be, you know for his generation you know, it, it just never ends so God said that whoever loves the things in this world the love of the Father is him. so whenever I so because of my own the way I've seen myself I realized that I've seen some people very, very wealthy and still humble. I don't think I would be one of those people. I think if I had a lot of money, I would be so distant because I, I mean, I, I would, I would, I Lord, I would, keep, I would create buffers between myself and so many people. I know, I know that. I know. So I don't pray to God to have a lot of money, but I pray that the Lord will always meet my needs. And yeah, so I'm not even praying for once. I don't pray to have more money than I can spend, that I can. In fact, I don't want it because I know myself. I know that I will become the worst possible version of myself. So me and God have had that conversation where you know this is not what I want. But, but so, but the few times I've said that, I've revealed that, which is why sometimes some of these conversations between you and God, it's not everybody should share it with. You. But the few times I've mentioned it to Christians. One person just said, "Oh, why did you say that?" And you know, bless her, she just she didn't she didn't she just told me why it was different for her, and I I understood that. And I felt when I looked at that, I was like, "Yeah, I guess you you'll be able to handle it. I I can't." But another person I mentioned, rather they be arguing with you. Why do you say you know they think it's ungodly of me to say that? I don't want to be wealthy. So I'm like, I don't want to have you know I don't want to be a billionaire. No, I don't there's something and then you as a Christian you have a problem with that. Jesus was not a billionaire on earth he wasn't he was very far from being a billionaire in fact he didn't have a roof to cover his head and I'm not saying that that means that that was what made him holy but I'm saying there is something wrong with the thinking that says that every Christian should A be a billionaire or B want to be a billionaire because what is a billionaire a billionaire is somebody who has billions in their account. What has that got to do with anything in the scheme of things? Spiritually? How is that even a criteria? How messed up are we? That money, money that is an invention of man. God bless the person who tweeted that that made me realize that wealth is what God creates. And wealth is not about dollars and cents. Because God himself told us that the value of a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things that he has. So wealth in God's economy is not about dollars, it's not about currencies that man created. The concept of a hundred cents, of one dollar, of one naira, and what it can buy, these are all man-made creations. The concept of a millionaire is a man-made creation. Money is was created by man as a measure and a store of value for them to be able to interact and transact in this modern world, in this broken world. Money is an invention of Babylon. How is that then something that Christians now begin to use as a measure of a standard of success or of uplifting? To the point that when somebody says I don't want this, it's like me saying I don't want to wear platform wedges, and you're like, no. Why do I? Why platform wedges, yeah? You want wedges? Take the wedges, but don't tell me that wedges is what I should wear. I don't want wedges. I wear flats. I don't want to wear high heels, or I'm not going to wear any shoes. It's my choice. So the fact that a lot of us Christians, and I've I've seen that people are like why would why, why why would you say you don't want money? And I did I didn't say I don't want money. I just said I don't want to be a billionaire. I don't want a lot of money. Why is that a problem for you? You're almost it's almost like I'm saying I don't want Jesus Christ. You are you are, that's exactly the reaction I get. I get the reaction like I am saying something blasphemous. That's how you know that we are all. We are actively worshipping mama. Because by the time you have elevated money. To the status that when somebody says. I don't want money. In your ears. In your mind. You are hearing it as though the person is denying Jesus. It's clear. You are actively serving mama. But you don't realize it. I'll leave it here. Because actually this wasn't where I thought I was going with this music. But all what I was trying to say here is about how. God has made me more aware of how evil and how broken this world is. And the only reason why I am here and functioning is because Jesus is with me here. It's because he's helped me find meaning for this life. It's because he helps me navigate the waters of this life. And my earnest hope in all of this is that one day I will leave this world and be reconciled to him that is what makes it all worth it at the end of the day so the joy that i have in this world is the joy of the here and now walking according to god's purpose in christ the joy that i the confidence and the courage and the faith that i have jesus at least to help me with the things that i cannot help myself with and that he's here he loves me and that my life has meaning and that one day all of this broken world is going to end and that god is going to make all things new and that eventually we will experience the world as God intended it, not in this broken, unjust form that it currently is. That is my hope. That is my hope, that is my hope. And I have greater hope for that because I see how God is working with me in this world and enabling me to do the things that I know that ordinarily without him I would not have been able to do, like the testimony I shared in my last music. So that gives me confidence, that gives me hope, it gives me assurance that okay, this God is really real. See how He helped me out of this situation that even a psychologist could not have helped me out of, medication could not have helped me out of. This horrible situation where I was emotionally devastated, ravaged in my mind about things I couldn't help myself. This God is really powerful. He's really awesome. Jesus is re- is real. He's not just a figment of my imagination. He's not a folk tale. He's not a fairy tale. He's here. He's real. He's present. He's here. He's with me. He's the creator. He's the beginning. He's the end. He was. He is. He is to come. He's here with me. He's in my heart. He's in my soul. He's in my life. He's in my mind. He's also present. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's with the Father. He's at the right hand. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I ask or think. All I have to do is call upon Him. He will answer me. He will be with me in trouble. He will deliver me. He will honor me. With long life, He will satisfy me. He will show me His own salvation. His way of escape from the evil that is here, that is present, that is real. And show us that he is greater than all that we see, that we feel. And that the justices of today will be the justice of tomorrow. The unrighteousness of today will become the righteousness of tomorrow. That God himself will make all things new. Bring about a new day. And that all who wait with him patiently... Through the turmoil of this present world, that God will reward with his graciousness, with his glory, with his power, with his might, with his grace, with his mercy. And that even in this broken world, God will restore hope and love to all those who cleave to him, who trust in him, who love him, and who seek a way of escape from the evil that is present in this world. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. Nobody can come unto God except by Him. And as we come, we will find rest for our souls. Thank you, Father Lord. Thank you. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Stay lifted. Have a wonderful day in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.